Hello and welcome to another episode of Boomtown Hoops Podcast. We're back for episode 12. Got Jackson today and coming back, making his season debut, Mr. Evan Riggs. Evan, how are we doing, man? You know, I'm not sure I can top the questionable tag, clear up until <laughs> game time, and then drop 33 like SGA, but I'll do what I can here today, fellas. I'm doing pretty well. Glad to be here. Well, Jackson, how are we doing today, man? I'm good today. Coming off, finally got win number one, so feeling good. Feeling a little refreshed after last night. We're just going to go and kick right off. Evan, we're just going to go and jump right into it. Your reaction from the first, you know, just kind of a overall overall take of the of the first four games i think the story of the first four games well there's two number one is obviously shay and how good he's been when he's been out there but i think the main story that is probably the most uplifting story so far is how good trey man has looked in these first four games and that's even without the three-pointer going in he's still shooting in like the mid to low 20s so far this season he i i wouldn't have expected trey to be able to have a 25 point game four games into his second year and shoot two of eight from three. I I would have thought it would have had to be an explosion. And he, he just looks like a different guy, a different level of confidence this year. And, you know, he didn't look great in summer league too, which I mean, maybe part of that was because he had COVID and was coming off of that and was just out of rhythm, but he looks awesome so far. He looks completely in command. He's making all kinds of tough shots in the lane. And even though the shot's not going in, I don't know about you guys, but I have all the confidence in the world that the shot is going to go in for Trey Man. Cause I think every time he shoots the ball, it's going to go in. And it and I'm sure it will start more here. Yeah, he's definitely looked like somebody who he, he's definitely not afraid to shoot, obviously, but like he for a sophomore in the NBA, he's already looking looking the part to me. Mm-hmm. I agree. And he's he's already had to kind of be thrust into the primary playmaker role a little bit more than they anticipated, I'm sure. This early in the season, obviously Shea's missed a game. Giddy's missed uh, a game and a half. And poor J-Dub played five minutes and got his face broken and has not played since and i think those were probably the three point guards like i think j-dub was probably going to be the lead ball handler of the second unit because that's kind of what we saw all preseason with trey and so trey's had to take on a bigger burden he's struggled with that at times but i've been very encouraged with with the way he's looked definitely i i think it's been i mean obviously like you said to start off it's been the shay show when he's out there I mean, he just looks like he's taken another step. Mm-hmm. Um, and regardless of our status in terms of record, he, he looks like a guy who should be an all-star. And honestly, I mean, he, if we were a little better, he's all NBA based off just the first stats and if this continues. But um, I also kind of had thought of Trey Man. We were I was watching last night and I was just thinking like, he can get buckets in so many different ways. And you know how when the Olympic teams are around, there's always like the footage of like the guys playing one on one comes out. I was thinking how much I'd like to just watch like Trey and Shea and Josh Giddy play one on one. Like Giddy's got the size, like Shea's got the deep bag, and I don't think Trey could probably really stop either of them. But I think Trey could probably give him buckets in the same exact way. And I was like, man, that'd be really fun to watch. Let's let's get some content out there, Thunder. You know, and and you saying that kind of 
makes me think about the defense. Like, obviously, I don't think Trey is ever going to be an above average defender, but so far, both he and Shea have completely bought in defensively and are playing hard defensively. And unlike Trey, Shea actually does have the tools to be a good defender when he wants to be. It's just been an issue of when he wants to be through these last last couple of seasons. I mean, three steals and three blocks, and he's looked good defensively throughout the season so far, I think. So obviously Shea's been awesome offensively, but I think we all, if we don't remember, we should, the his one playoff series with the Thunder, he kind of got exposed a little bit defensively and looked a little bit overwhelmed. So I, I, I like the buy-in. And I like the effort that Shea has been playing with defensively. And I saw Aaron Wiggins say today on Wednesday, the day that we're recording this, that that really energizes the rest of the team defensively. And as it should, I mean, the the best player is working very hard on defense, which is a major positive. So something guys, I'll, I'll kind of pose this question for you of, um, you know, we've seen coach Degnall play, you know, a couple different starting lineups. Do you think that's just his way of like, well, you know, just throwing something at the wall just to kind of see what sticks, or is this something that we're going to see throughout the whole season? I think I think we're going to see different lineups all year. I think going back to the preview podcast we did, I, I expect to see just stuff thrown at the wall. Like it's just all all season, we're going to see lineups. One based on who's healthy, as we've already already seen. You know, three of our probably top four ball handlers for the season at this time. Um, so guys will be sitting out left and right, but I also think when it comes to the, not the far end of our bench, but there's not a huge difference between guys like eight and 14. So I think a lot of it's going to be like, you get the run tonight, you get the run tomorrow. Like it's just going to be a combination, but I wouldn't expect to see, you know, consistent outside of, you know, three or four guys are going to play the same amount of minutes no matter what. Yeah, obviously Shea and Giddy are guaranteed starts. Uh, and Dort, I'll still give Dort that too. I know it's been a, a rough start for him this year and a great start for Trey. So we, we may see Trey sub in as a starter, you know, once or twice for Dort, who knows. But I think Dort is pretty much locked in. But then those two, you know, front court spots, I think it's been a matchup thing so far. And I also think it's just been Coach Dagnall trying different things. He wants to see different guys get different chances in, in certain matchups. And honestly, like you can't underestimate how different it is being a starter and playing against the other team starters, as opposed to coming off the bench and playing, you know, more minutes against bench guys. So it's good to get different guys experience and, and more minutes because at the end of the day, this season really still ever since even before Chet got hurt, but especially since Chet got hurt, it is just really about finding out as much about these young guys as you possibly can this year. And I think one way to do that is to give them all chances in the starting lineup. Like I think you're going to see Jang start a game, start games this year. Obviously Poku is, is going to start games because he already has bless his heart. Uh, Baisley, perhaps he'll, he'll still get a token start here or there. I actually think that shit may have sailed. Uh, but it's possible he could too. I think you're going to see a lot of guys get chances. So Evan, you just brought up Poku and we've got to talk about him because Jackson and I mentioned him for about 30 seconds on the last podcast, <laughs> but I, I don't want to say this in a bad way, but can we talk about his performance over these <laughs> first four games? Well, 
I think Poku checked in and out of last night's game more than I've ever seen one player check in and out of a game before in my entire life. It was it was very, very short bursts. And I think Dignall said that was a, a, Z- a Zubac thing. They were trying to line those minutes up or not line those minutes up. Uh, I think Poku can still be summed up by the play where he gets the steal, has the amazing behind the back, and the crowd is already going crazy, and then he front rims the finger roll. Like There are moments where you can see the flashes. You can see him being the connector that this team kind of needs and wants. Like Chet is way better than Poku, but some of those decisions like in short rolls and stuff, like the way that Poku's playing is probably the way they envision Chet playing in the future. So I guess this is my long-winded way of saying totally good with still giving Poku a lot of chances, but it's not been great so far. I got pretty excited, like I'm sure a lot of us did in the preseason, and it's been pretty up and down. But I think what we have to keep reminding ourselves is this guy is still – is he 21 yet? Can he legally drink? Is he 20, think so. 21? He, I think he's still he, 20. He's still extremely young, and – the frame for Shilla line two years away from being two years away really has always rang pretty true with Poku. <laughs> yeah, I would I would tend to agree with you there. I think this is probably the last year of Poku full time minutes until like unless he continues to take the step. Like there's been times this year where you watch, especially it was like in, in game one, I believe. I was like Poku's giving us really, really good minutes right yeah. now. And then as the game closed, it was like, what are you doing? Um, but I think, I think no matter what, we're just going to keep, you know, giving him chances, especially this year, knowing that it's probably already a, a lost season in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I'm ashamed to say that four games in, but um, we kind of know where, where the season is headed. Um, but I, I would expect that, you know, if he doesn't continue to take steps, he'll still be on the roster next year, but he'll be playing like, seven minutes a game as opposed to 25 we we've seen flashes and the thing that gives me a little bit more optimism outside of the preseason stuff which was good is that Degnall Mark Mark Degnall was very complimentary of Poku heading into the season and you know you guys follow the team people who are listening follow the team if you follow the quotes that that have come out over the last couple years from Mark, especially related to Poku, he is not afraid to blast Poku, and he has rarely been as complimentary of Poku as he was before the season. So I do think they've seen him take a step forward, and that's why he's been getting these chances. But, you know, sometimes that doesn't always immediately translate to the court. But we're only four games in, so maybe eh, let's give it 20 games, and, and let's see where Poku's at before we come to any real big conclusions would probably be my biggest takeaway from the Poku experience so far. Other than that, he makes tanking a lot more palatable because boy, is he fun and funny and everything in between all the time. I think we can definitely dub him as the tank commander for uh, at least for the first four games. I'm sure we can dub him going forward too. So talking about Poku, you know, kind of mentioned basically, so kind of our next deal we're going to talk about is, so who's going to be on this roster in the next five years? Now, obviously I know that's, you know, we've got, you know, 15, 17 guys to look at, 
you know, there's kind of the, you know, obviously you're going to have SGA should have Josh Giddy, but besides, and, and Chad, obviously besides those three, Jackson, we'll start with you. Who do you think on the current roster right now will still be on the roster in, in five seasons from now? Yeah. When you sent the run that I've started really thinking about it and, <laughs> and I kind of broke it down into like a hundred percent, 75 to 80%. 60% and then honorary 17%. I don't let you guess who that is. Um, but I, uh, I, to me, the only two 100% guys are SGA and Chet. Um, I think they're, no matter what, um, I would put Giddy in that next kind of 75 to 80%. Um, I think that it'll still work out with a Giddy Shea backcourt, but I do still have some questions. I kind of want to see him keep working on that, but I could see on the off chance that, you know, it doesn't really click that, that you could trade Giddy and get some serious, like if we're looking to start contending, you could, you know, flip him for some, some more quality players. Cause I think he is a phenomenal player. It's just, I, I wonder, you know, with two like strong backcourt guys, like both guys kind of play best with the ball in their hand. They still kind of need to work on that. Um, and then the other kind of two guys I have in that, that 80% is, uh, Usman Jang and uh, J-Dub, I think, you know, they're young. They're going to, you know, probably sign a second contract and then they're there. Um, and then that next tier for me would be Trey Mann and Lou Dort. Um, I think both of them are going to be guys that have value. I think Trey, to me, is kind of, I still envision him as like a Lou Will. So he's somebody that could be very valuable to us, but we could also, I wouldn't be shocked to see us flip him. Similarly, Lou Dort, you know, especially between now and then, if, you know, we take a little longer, somebody could come in and he could help a contender and we could get a, a hefty little payday for that. And then obviously down there at 17%, uh, Poku, you know, we might, we might still be having the like, well, maybe this is the year he takes a step. I don't think so, but you, you never know. It feels like he's been here for 10 years and I wouldn't be shocked if it was 10 months. All I'm saying. So, it's funny. We, we approach this very differently, Jackson, but I think have come to similar answers. I tried to take trades out of it because you just, you just never know what, what sorts of trades the Thunder and, and Presti are going to have up their sleeves. Maybe it is a big trade where Josh Giddy is, is required to bring in uh, a superstar that is really going to elevate this team. I, I think what I tried to do, is just kind of rank the young guys in terms of like core piece or not. And like, can I see them playing in a playoff series in five years, basically? So Shay and Chet are obviously the first two. I agree with you there. I would be pretty floored if either of those guys wasn't here in five years. Shay a little bit less so just because there's less team control at this point. But Chet, for sure. Giddy just a very slight notch below that. And I actually think I'm going Trey man next. I think Trey has shown me enough that I'm starting to feel pretty good about him being like a, a sixth man, 17 point a game guy off the bench for a, for a legitimate good team. And then it gets really tough after that. I, I still think Dort, I still think Dort is probably going to be on this team, but I, I think the jury is is still out on Dort. And unfortunately, we're probably not going to have 
the answers to the questions this year because without Chet, we're not seeing uh, this team kind of fully formed. But Dort is going to have to eventually fall back into a fifth option kind of role. And whether he can do that, I guess, kind of remains to be seen because that that is not how Dort has played since the Thunder have been in in draft mode the last couple of years. And then it's so like I'm pretty confident in J-Dub being here too. Jang is just less of an unknown because he himself as a prospect is less of an unknown. I wouldn't be shocked if five years from now, Jang, well, I would be a little surprised, but I think five years from now, Jang could be an all-star. I think five years from now, Jang could be their 10th man or somebody else's 10th man, you know? So I just think it's the seal, the, the range of outcomes is so wide for him and, you know, Poku kind of fits that description a little bit too. Whereas it's just so hard to to say for certain what where these guys are going to be as a prospect in five years, much less on this team. Yeah, and uh, Jackson, I think to kind of to extend your range a little bit, you could go from seventeen to a fifty-five percent. <laughs> I think Baisley's off this team after this year. Yeah, I don't, I don't see, I don't see much of a future here for Bays, um, unfortunately, because he's a likable guy, but I just, I. I struggle. He's not playing the minutes. I wouldn't be shocked if we if we flipped him at some point before then. Someone takes a flyer on him just to see, you know, what what he's got. One guy that I know I didn't mention, and Jackson, if you mentioned him, I I may have missed it when you said it. But Jeremiah Robinson Earl. I mean, he's had a great start to the season. He is one of like three guys actually shooting it worth anything behind the three point line right now, and he's he's just looked he's just looked good in these first four games and honestly i i am very sold on him being a a very good backup center in this league so i actually might put him like unreasonably high on this list too because i think i know exactly what he is it, could, could he be kind of like our like the the new age version of nick collison is that like a a potential yeah, you know he's not going to play every single you know he's not playing 40 minutes a night he's playing those 20 minutes and he's playing hard yeah, like I, I think Nick Collison, if he played in the 2020s instead of the 2000s and late 90s, would have shot threes. Like I, I think he probably had that in his skill set if it actually would have been any kind of emphasis for him growing up as a basketball player. So I definitely can see Jerry as the as the modern day Nick for sure. Well, um, Jackson, like I was, we were talking before we started recording, Jackson, I've specifically picked this out for you because I know how much of a Premier League fan you are. Um, I saw this article and I, I almost had a fact check at first, too, just to make sure it was like a legit thing. But Adam Silver, I can't remember how long ago it was, but it talked about a relegation style. So basically, you're the, the three bottom teams would be relegated to whatever division they would have underneath the NBA. So Jackson, I'm basically I'm just going to give you the floor on this one, and I just want you to just to like expl- explain to me how relegation would work in the NBA. I think, like like I was telling you before we started, I actually wrote my like last college paper on promotion and relegation in American soccer and like the feasibility of it. It's a long conversation if anybody ever wants to have it. I mean, um, ultimately, never ever 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 going to work in the NBA um, because billionaires don't like when they their investments lose a ton of value um but you know if we want to get off into dream world um it would have to be you would assume the g league would be 
where those teams would go down to. Um, but you'd have to unaffiliate everybody for the most part. Like you couldn't have like the blue, like we couldn't, you couldn't have two teams at Oklahoma city. Um, and those G league teams would have to be in better markets and better areas. Um, in a lot of ways, like you obviously wouldn't have two teams in Oklahoma city. Uh, no one wants to go to Sioux Falls. You'd have to move them to, to places like it would make sense. You know, if there's teams in, in, you know, Kansas city and I'll claim my hometown, Richmond, like, those like next markets, uh, even though I wouldn't consider Kansas City a next market down, but as terms of cities that don't have NBA teams, those next markets, you'd have to have, you know, teams there. But ultimately I just, it's not something that would, that would really work because like, you know, the, the lake, could, could you imagine the Lakers are far more realistically going back to several years, you know, could you imagine the Knicks in the G like, NBA would never allow it. I mean, even like the Kings, the, the Kings have been so bad for so long that at some point they would be in that cycle of relegation <laughs> playing in like the nicest arena in the NBA right up there with the Warriors playing the you know, whoever the, the Oklahoma city blue or wherever the blue are in the, in this, in this big scenario. Yeah. I mean, the Kings would probably have been relegated out of the G league. <laughs> by this point. Um, but, but when you look at just like the major markets, like those teams, like billionaires are never going to be like, here i agree to this because adam silver can say what he wants technically you know he still does work for the owners and it's it's a fun idea i'm always pro you know promotion relegation i think it it makes everything better because i i don't love tanking like it's it may just have to be competitive because you if you don't you suddenly lose all your value as a franchise Mm -hmm. um but it's just while it's a fun idea and like I said, America soccer really could use it. Um, I don't, the NBA just doesn't quite work no matter how fun it would be. Well, and did you see that he already like a day or two after kind of walked it back and said, well, like I actually wasn't completely serious when, when I said that. Yeah. I, I he, I get the idea. He's like, everyone's like, Hey, how are you going to have, you know, seven teams tanking? Like you completely kill, you know, the, the product because on any given night you could just have blowout after blowout but and, and i do i think and there needs to be some sort of way to in a way fix tanking i was listening to bill Simmons and charles barkley talk about it today like um how you know you maybe you don't you aren't able to pick in the bottom three three years in a row like if you're bad enough you know that you have a bottom three pick three years in a row like maybe get better like you lose the chance because it sports is really like the one area where it's like hey you're terrible you have first choice like yeah so i think uh i think it's very clear that adam silver is on his please don't tank for victor Wembanyama uh media tour right now and which is fine and i get why he's doing it because he's trying to bring enough attention to it to make teams shy away which is is not going to work but i get what he's trying to do it is just an it's a little annoying that he's you know giving these talking points and and going out there and saying all of these things without really an actual solution on the tip of his tongue when he's going on these shows and, and talking about you know don't tank for i don't think it's good for a team to tank for what for one prospect or whatever he's been saying for the last couple of days on espn that's women yeah 
as you watch women yama play. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that, that would be my question. Yeah, yeah, that number one. And and number two, you know, you mentioned the top three pick thing. I, I don't think that's a terrible idea, but I think really the the biggest issue is that small markets like the Thunder have to tank because that is their way. Like that is their only way to compete with big markets. Like I don't like having to watch the Thunder lose for, for three or four years to have an actual shot to not even necessarily be a championship team, but just a contender better than a first round and out type of team. Like I would love to not have to do this, but we do. And the way to not do this is to make it so the big market teams can't use their deeper pockets to keep all to buy all the good players to either you know have these guys team up and go there and then pay an exorbitant luxury tax bill down the road or be like the warriors now and just keep everybody together because you can pay half a billion dollars in a season like the nfl you don't really have that and it's because there's a hard cap and there's no max contracts there if you had guys like if lebron could go sign for 80 million dollars of a 120 million dollar hard cap guess who what team is probably not getting a second and definitely not a third star LeBron's team. So like, I, you just have to make it so guys aren't flocking to the big markets and to the coast. I, I think that is really the solution here, but it's not, um, doesn't seem to be what Adam Silver has at, at top of mind. Yeah. And, and, and to me, uh, uh, we'll, we'll wrap up here pretty soon, but to me, is it almost just seeming like tanking's kind of brought to the forefront now? Of because of the prospects that have been, you know, you've got Winmanyani, you've got Scoot Henderson, and then but you know last year's draft you had Chet, you had Jabari, you had all these. I mean, not generational talents, but you know upper level talents that we haven't seen in the last couple of years. Has you think is this is this part of the reason why tanking's really been, you know, dr- driven hard by Silver lately, or is this kind of just a we just kind of just got stuck with it. Well, I think, to I'll oh, go ahead, Jackson. I say I I think you know having you know these high level prospects is certainly a a reason. I mean, there's always like you're always gonna have it to an extent. But if you know the next draft class looks like the Anthony Bennett class, and you're like, yeah, like who like like there was still a level of tanking there, but it wasn't to the extreme. Um, I I struggle with like what's the cause, what's the solution, um, but ultimately i think you know no matter the level um of prospect there's always going to be somebody because like you said it's hard you know for for the smaller markets to get these big like opportunities and they've adjusted you know the odds for the lottery and different things but ultimately like you still want to give yourself the best chance to get a, a you know franchise changing prospect and tanking seems to be the way mm-hmm. well and i think it's top of mind for a couple of reasons. Obviously, I'm sure Adam Silver and everybody else in league circles, they they know the buzz around the guy at the top of this next draft. So I think that's first and foremost. I mean, Adam Silver has even named him by name in some. So like that, that to me is unusual. I don't think I've ever, ever remember Adam Silver naming like the present the, the future potential number one pick in, in these types of things. So I think that is part of it. I think you guys are right there. I also think it's partially because we're probably going to have the same couple of teams again competing for 
that top spot. And it's been a couple of years in a row, you know, the Rockets, the Thunder, the Magic ha- have been down there. I mean, the Pistons, this would be their fourth year of being bad if if they are this bad again. But and I, I really think maybe the biggest reason might be the Thunder to bring it all back to the Thunder because no team is strategically tanking like the Thunder has been. And it's smart. It's what they should be doing. But they've traded for all of these draft picks. They're they're going to this extreme. And I think that is that's why OKC is the team that catches the ire of national media uh, of whoever when actually they've never had the number one odds because they've never had the worst record. And they've only been bad for now two going on three years. But it's because they are so strategically tanking and so intentionally taking tanking that it's insulting to think about for for a lot of people quite frankly i do think like you said like it it is the same teams in a lot of ways um but i do i think especially for you know when it comes to to twimbinyama and scoot for a certain team like the thunder the rockets the pistons and the magic i think any of those four teams get Wimbenyama, like they immediately move into at least the plans, if not higher. Um, and then maybe for the Magic, I could see like in, if the Magic somehow ended up with Scoot instead of Wimbenyama, like he's kind of the guard they could use. Um, I think that's a part of the reason why, you know, these teams are going to tank so hard because they're close and they know they're close and they're young. And if they can just get that one last piece, which they think, you know, one of the guys at the top of the draft is, it can make them up a level and like you're done with the tanking. I do think, you know, if the Spurs, the Jazz, teams like that don't, even though the Jazz are undefeated. <laughs> but <laughs> I think if they don't, like, they're still going to be there at the bottom. But I think there's a few teams that are looking at this year as like, all right, we're, we're going to the bottom because we think they could take us to the top. Taking a look at the schedule ahead just real quick, we'll just get you guys' uh, record predictions. Obviously, you got home against the Clippers, at Dallas, and then home against Orlando. Jackson, we going three and zero or zero and three? I I'll give us one and two. Like I I don't think we beat the Clippers tomorrow. I I don't imagine we we win two in a row. I, I would guess. I think Kawhi was close to playing last night, so I would expect he probably plays tomorrow, and that's probably a big enough game changer there in and of itself. Um, I, we play hard, so you never know. But I think Luca's on a, a level right now that we just probably don't compete with especially i wouldn't be shocked if you know sga sat out one of the next couple just to you know fully heal because he was such a late addition last night um and then you know the magic will be fun i'll say it'll be fun i don't know what will happen but it'll be fun i give us one and two i'm giving us one and two as well i don't know about Kawhi for tomorrow but it sounds like paul george is likely to play as of last update or has a good chance i, I think was the wording something like that. I think the next two are probably losses. I'm giving them a win against the Magic. I wish I knew if Josh Giddy was going to be back, which we haven't really mentioned Giddy's play very much, but Giddy, when he's been in there, has been very impressive this year. His jumper looks pretty good, uh, even though he's only 30% from three. It feels a lot better than that. He's made like multiple threes in one or two of these games. He looks good going to the basket. So if he's back, that's a big boost. And I mean, come on, revenge narrative. They take the national TV game away from us because we lose Chet. We got to beat the Magic at home, right? Oh, yeah. 
Well, that'll wrap us up today for the for episode 12 of the Boomtown Hoops podcast. Uh, just a quick reminder, go to shopboomtown.com. Go pick up the limited edition 2022 logo tee. Looks sweet. Follow us on Twitter at Boomtown Hoops. Uh, join our Discord channel, too. That's It's always good, good fun uh, place to chat with all our other Thunder fans. Yeah. There we go. For Evan Jackson, I am Steven. We will talk to y'all again.